place to put all my stuff. Oops. Well, good morning, and like she said, feel free to get up and get coffee or whatever you need. I'll, I'm, I'll be all right with me, all right? Be comfortable and, and just sit back and relax this morning. I'm glad that you all um, were able to come out. I know it's kind of a drizzly morning, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, because, you, you know, you're not missing anything at home, being in your gardens and weeding and mowing the lawn, you know. You can just relax. Uh, the sun will come out later, and you can do that stuff later. So it's all good. Um, you know, this morning we're going to be celebrating friendship. We are celebrating friendship as we sit around the tables and enjoy food together. You know, we often refer to friendship as something that we make. You know, uh, perhaps you even came this morning thinking maybe I will make a new friend um, at church today. We send our kids off to kindergarten and we tell them, you know, go and make new friends. And that's true, you know, certainly friendship is something that we have to do and put effort into. And we know that, you know, we have to build our friendships and nurture them and spend time with our friends. So it is an action on our part. But this morning, I really want us to be reminded that while we so often talk about making friends with others, our greatest friendships are actually special gifts from God, freely given because the Father loves us and knows we need each other. I'd like to pray together before we begin. <clears throat> Lord, I just thank you for bringing these wonderful ladies together this morning. And I thank you for the gift of friendship be with us, Lord, as we celebrate the friends you have provided for each one of us. We invite the Holy Spirit's presence to teach and to guide us as we learn from your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as, I, as we begin this morning, I realize that the topic of friendship actually may be painful for some. Because some of us are lonely today. And some may have friendships that are fallen, falling apart or have ended bitterly. But I hope that as we take a look at the friends that God provides, you're all encouraged that God knows you and he knows exactly what you need and who you need in your lives to support you in your weaknesses, encourage you with wise words when you're feeling lost or overwhelmed, and walk with you in your journey with him. Now, I suppose at this point I should share with you why I am qualified to speak to you on this topic today. <clears throat> but the truth is, I am not qualified. Um, first of all, I'm not a really very outgoing person. You know, some of you may have noticed that along the way. I'm really more of an introvert than an extrovert. And... You know, I'm just, and some people may call that shy. You know, I'm standing up here, so I'm not terribly shy, but I just, I keep more to myself, I guess, and that's where I'm comfortable. Um, let me give you another example of that. You know, I've been on Facebook now for, I don't know, three or four years. I've had a page or whatever it is you call that. And, and recently, this is very exciting, recently I topped 100 friends. <laughs> now, <laughs> You're laughing because most of you have six or seven hundred. And I gotta tell you, I don't get that. Um, 
Now, in all fairness, I have never actually, what do you call it, you, you, a friend request? I've never actually sent out one of those because I, I'm, I'm, because I'm afraid of rejection. And so I, I'm just like, ah, I don't know, you know, that seems really bold for me to ask them to be my friend. <laughs> I, you know, so you're getting a feel for where I'm coming from here. <laughs> I rarely post a status because um, it's just hard for me. You know, I'll, I'll type something in, you know, maybe, you know, about what I did yesterday or, you know, my son had a really great baseball game or something. And then I sit there and I think about it and I go, well, you know, my friend so-and-so's son has plays baseball. What if he had a bad game? And I'm telling him how good my son's game was. And then they'll feel bad. And, then they'll unfriend me, and I don't think I can handle that. It just, it just goes around in circles, and eventually I just erase it and forget it, you know? And sometimes I just think maybe it's just not 100-plus people's business what I did yesterday or, or what I ate for breakfast this morning. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't go home and unfriend me because I don't have many friends. But... but I do want you to understand that I do love reading about what you did yesterday. I really enjoy seeing about what's going on in your life. I really do. I, you know, it's a great time waster. Uh, <laughs> and no, no, don't be offended by that. I didn't mean it that way. But you know what I mean. You know, and I, I love to, you know, you know, see what you did and what you ate for breakfast, and you know that that your your dog puked all over the couch or whatever it was. You know, I'm sorry, this is breakfast, and I shouldn't be sharing stuff like that. But um, actually, sometimes I'm eating when I read your posts, so <laughs> that's not really fair. But um, anyway, so now I do I do enjoy reading about your lives, but I just have a problem sharing about mine. Anyway. <laughs> The other reason why I may not be qualified to speak on friendship um, is because actually I'm a functionally deaf person. And what that means is um, without aid, I really can't communicate. I can't hear you. I can't understand what you're saying. Makes communication very, very challenging. And that makes making friends difficult um, for me. You know, I do wear hearing aids. And now and again, you'll see me with this um, lovely gadget. It's called an FM assistive listening device or something like that. And what it does is in crowded situations, it helps pick up the person's voice that I'm talking to, and it, transmit it transmits it via a radio signal or telecoil to my hearing aid. And it works okay. I know still it's hard, but it works okay. So you may see that from time to time. I um, have had it for about six weeks or so, and I was sharing it with my dad, who is or showing it to him. He's also, you know, very functionally deaf. And um, so I was talking to him about it. I'm like, you know, check, check out this thing that helps me, you know, when I, in a crowded situation or where there's a speaker who doesn't have a mic or something like that. And he kind of looked at it and he said, don't you think you'll look weird wearing that thing? <laughs> he's, he's pretty blunt. And, um, and, you know, I said, you know, I don't think so because I think I really rock this thing. Might need some bedazzling, so I'm going to get my daughter on that. It needs to be, you know, souped up a little bit. But um, anyway, that's a little bit about me. Um, so now you know why I'm not qualified to talk to you this morning. But before you leave, um, I can tell you that I have been in some lonely and difficult places in my life, and I know that the friends God provides deserve to be celebrated. And I'd like to share with you today some things God has shown me through his word 
about the friends he provides to support us in our weaknesses, encourage us with wise words, and pray with us on our journey with him. <clears throat> now, the Bible is full of wonderful stories and examples of friendships like David and Jonathan and Naomi and Ruth, Paul and Timothy, but we're not going to talk about any of those today. We're going to focus on the character of Moses. Some of you are like, Moses and friendship. Okay, that's, that's a new angle. But um, <clears throat> when I mention Moses, a lot of you may recall from Sunday school or from teaching Sunday school, that baby in the basket. You know, I remember my Sunday school teacher, I think it was my mother actually, and you know, she had the basket and the little baby doll, and then you take the baby and you put the baby on the Nile River because Moses' mother was trying to um, save him from certain death um, when Pharaoh was going to kill all the, uh, the newborn boys um, in Egypt to try and um, um, decrease the power of the increasing Israelite population. So you may remember something about Moses that way, or perhaps like me, you've seen the movie The Ten Commandments 20 plus times. Who's seen the movie The Ten Commandments around Easter Passover season? Um, and that picture of Charlton Heston comes into your mind when, uh, when someone says Moses. That's your, that's your idea. Um, <clears throat> you probably know that Moses was the son of he Hebrew slaves in Egypt. But because he was found floating in his basket on the Nile River by the Pharaoh's daughter, he was raised as an Egyptian prince. He lived the privileged life of royalty while his people, the Israelites, were slaves who labored day after day, year after year, to build an empire for the Pharaoh. Moses would grow into a man who had nothing in common with his own people and certainly no friends among them. In essence, he was an outcast among the Hebrew people. And to add to this, he also became an outcast among the Egyptian people when he killed an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew. The Pharaoh found out and tried to kill Moses, so Moses had to flee from Egypt and settle as a foreigner in the new land of Midian, in, in a new land for him. You know, I think Moses knew a little bit about loneliness and being on his own. But after a while, Moses settled down in Midian, and he started a family. But then God revealed that he was not quite done with Moses yet. You know the story, that God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and sent him back to Egypt to face the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites, God's chosen people, out of Egypt and into the promised land. But Moses didn't want to. He really didn't want to. You see, Moses felt like he was the most unlikely candidate for this job. Why, Lord, would you want to send me? These people have no reason to even believe that you're the one that sent me. They have no reason to respect me. In fact, during my last encounter with one of them, his comment was, who made you judge and ruler over us? Lord, they won't believe you sent me. What's the point? You've got the wrong guy. Well, the Lord responds by giving Moses three miracles to perform in front of the elders of Israel to convince them that the God of Abraham had indeed sent him. But that's not enough for Moses because Moses has a problem. And I'm going to take you to Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. If you want to look in a, along in, in a Bible, there's Bibles under your chairs. You're welcome to, or you can just sit back, relax, and listen. I'll read it for you. Um, it's up to you. I'm going to go to uh, Exodus chapter 4. And I'm looking at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, 
neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses didn't talk good. We don't know exactly what his problem was, but we know speaking was a weakness for him. But I want to, what I want us to notice this morning is that Moses is doubting whether God really knew him. First, God is sending him to lead a group of people who don't respect him as leader and have no reason to listen to him. And second, Moses feels incapable of completing the task. Moses was thinking, God just doesn't get who I am, and he has clearly picked the wrong guy. Have you ever felt that way when God's called you to do something? <laughs> um, well, let's look at God's response in verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He says, I not only know you, Moses, I made you just as you are to fulfill my plan. I've got it all worked out. But, you know, Moses had a stubborn heart like so many of us. And with one last desperate attempt to get out of this, he cries, Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. <laughs> Have you ever been there? I think I was there this morning around 6 o'clock. Um, <laughs> And a few other times as well. God didn't like that. God didn't like his response. He got angry. And that's when Aaron enters the picture. And we're going to take a look at Aaron as Moses' first friend among the Israelites. In verse 14, it says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if, you were, as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. God provided Aaron. And there are a few things we need to take note of in God's provision here. First, Aaron was actually Moses' brother. But how do we know that Aaron would really be Moses' first friend? In verse 14, God tells Moses, he's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. And in the Holman version that you have on your chairs, I think it says he will rejoice when he sees you. <clears throat> Don't miss the comfort that that statement would have been to Moses, the outcast, the fallen prince of Egypt. Have you ever arrived at an event where you didn't know many people? Maybe for some of you that was here this morning or walking into a new church on Sunday morning. You know, you're not really sure what to do. You're not particularly comfortable. Maybe you've been to an event, maybe it was your family, where you're in a situation where you know the people, but you're not particularly comfortable with the people, you know? It's kind of awkward, and it's, you know, you, you feel a little off. What a relief it is when a friend comes up to you, welcomes you, gives you a hug, and is genuinely glad to see you. That's why we have Tracy Heald over here stand out at the doors on Sunday morning. Yeah, sorry about that, Tracy. But, I mean, you know what? She has a gift for genuinely welcoming and loving people. You see her smiling face, and you know you're in a warm, friendly place. And that's why she's there, and she does it so well. 
It just puts us at ease. And God knew Moses would need someone who was his friend and was glad to see him, and he provided. And as you go through challenges and, and trials in life, you can be sure that when the time is right, he will provide that for you too. When someone arrives who is glad to see you, thank God for it. Don't take that for granted. That's a blessing. That's a gift. Another point of God's provision that we shouldn't miss is that Aaron would be the perfect partner for Moses. God says, I know Aaron can speak well. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Moses wouldn't have to do it alone. God doesn't set us up to fail. He knows our weaknesses, and he provides the friends we need to help us fulfill our call in spite of them. He, he doesn't set you up to fail. I do know a little something about this. Um, years ago, I was leading a small group Bible study, which frankly, just that was, it was just a huge leap of faith for me at the time. It took place in someone's home on Wednesday mornings, actually a couple of different people. And um, shortly after Hope built this building, God began prompting me to move the Bible study to the church so that we could open it up to more women and provide for more formal um, child care. And my first reaction was something like, but... God, don't you know me? <laughs> I'm, I'm going deaf. I mean, this, my, my, my hearing loss is progressive, okay? It's, it's not going to go, probably, and God not intervening. It, it will probably go in a downhill direction. You know, so, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm going deaf. I get very nervous speaking in front of people. Just the fact that I'm here this morning is, is amazing. But that's a God thing. You see, God transforms us, and we can talk about that another time. But, um... So God and I, we went back and forth about this for a while. And I, I was like, surely there is someone more qualified. I mean, you know, Bible studies are about talking. They're about sharing and learning together. And I just really thank God that the leader should be someone who can hear the ladies talking and sharing. And, well, I brought up the idea to a friend of mine from church who was part of that small Bible study in the home. And um, it was Kathy Johnson. Some of you may remember her. She's since moved away. And um, I, I brought it up to her, and she just loved the idea. And she, she was just such an energetic, was, is, I, she just moved away. But um, she's just such an, an energetic person and just so, so friendly. And, um, and she said, you know, she'll part, she would partner with me to do this. And she was just the perfect partner. It seemed like she was always equipped to be able to act in the areas that made me the most uncomfortable. She wasn't shy at all. And when a phone call needed to be made, I hate making phone calls. I mean, I'll stand in front of the phone for 15 minutes when I really don't want to call. Because, you know, I can't hear, and that makes it challenging. So anyway, so if a phone call needed to be made, somebody that we didn't know needed to be contacted, you know, like outside of, of the church to get some advice or something, she was right, just right on it. You know, she was so efficient and creative. And um, without her support and encouragement, I, I would have been lost. And um, the Bible study started in September, and everything was, you know, just going really well. And then she came up to me, and she said, a few months later, we're moving. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and um, I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and, but she did. So by February, their, you know, their house was sold, and, and they had moved to Pennsylvania. And I said, okay, God, you got me into this. <clears throat> 
But it was great, you know, it was sometime around that time, um, it was like Valentine's Day or something, and I was here at the church um, running around like a chicken with my head cut off, you know, making coffee, getting ready for the women to come that morning. And we were set, I was doing, a, there was a brunch, I think, or something that morning, so there was extra work to be done in tablecloths and things. And, and in walks Ellen Turbo watching me run around, and she's like, um, can, you, can you use some help? And I said, oh, no, I got it, you know, because that's just the way I am. We'll talk about that, too. But, um, so, but I, she helped anyway because that's the way Ellen is. And she just jumped in, and, and she helped out. And, you know, um, now Ellen leads the Bible study. So <laughs> God always provides. And, and he's, since then, he's just brought a whole team of people that support it and, and are there every Wednesday morning to set up and do all the things that need to be done. That's just how God works. He sends people when you need them. And those friends, those people that God provides are so special. Um, there, are, there are certainly a lot of others that I could mention that have helped me. You know, just, just even those people who are willing to, to speak a little louder when, when they're talking to me um, or, or just face me when, you know, just kind of make sure I'm sitting in the right place to hear everybody. That, that's just thank you, you know, thank you to those people. And um, certainly it's hard to be my friend. You have to repeat everything you say three or four times. And, and you know, I, I really appreciate the people that God sends into my life. Um, <clears throat> God provides friends to support us in our weaknesses. But, you know, sometimes it is hard to accept help from others, isn't it? Um, as I mentioned, I have a stubborn streak. Uh, and I usually want to do things on my own. Um, there have been times, though, that I have gone through trials alone, and I have looked back and seen that God had, in fact, placed people in my life to help, but I was too fearful to trust them or too stubborn to admit that I needed help. But God has shown me that he doesn't intend for us to do life alone. He provides support along the way, especially when we're weak, so now I want to flip over a, little, a few more pages to Exodus chapter 17. And I want to look at how Moses' friends came alongside him when he was too weak to carry the load. <clears throat> there it says that the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now I try to picture myself in that situation, <clears throat> standing up on that hill, you know, you got to keep your hands up in the air. As long as your hands up in the air, they're going to be winning. And they, my friends would be like, oh, can I help you? You look a little tired. And I'd be like, nope, I got it. I'm okay. I don't need any help yet. We so often just want to do things on our own, don't we? We try to be brave and strong. Are you juggling so many things you can't even see straight, but you don't want to seem weak and ask for help? Or maybe you just don't want to bother anybody. You know, after all, everyone has their own problems, right? You'll figure out a way. I find it interesting that Moses didn't respond that way. 
It seems like at this point in his journey, Moses has learned that sometimes you need help in your weaknesses to do what God asked of you. And God provides the support. There were three friends. The three of them went together to the top of that hill. And when he gets tired, his friends bring a rock for him to sit on, and they hold his arms up. And his hands remain steady until sunset. God does not intend for us to do the hard stuff alone. What friends has God provided to help you in your weakness or through your hard times? Can you be a friend to someone who needs a place to rest or someone to hold her hand? Now I want to talk about another type of friendship, those friends with wisdom to guide us. God has provided, <coughs> I'm sorry, these, the, uh, these are our honest friends. You know, the ones who will tell you the truth, even if it hurts a little. <sighs> it's interesting to me that the person who came alongside Moses when he needed a little constructive criticism was his father-in-law, Jethro. Perhaps you've received some constructive criticism along the way from your in-laws. How'd that go? <clears throat> yeah, that's what I thought. Um, well, let's take a look at how Moses handled it. Um, Exodus chapter 18. <clears throat> and we're, I'm going to look at uh, verses 13 through 19 there. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, because the people have come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me now, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. So essentially, he's saying, you're not doing it right. Here's how you should do it. Ouch. That'd be a little hard for me to take. Come on, be honest. <laughs> Might be for you, too. Um, you know, I'll admit it. I hate criticism, constructive or otherwise. I <laughs> you see, let me explain a little bit more about my stuff. You're just going to know too much by the time we're done. Um, I am a recovering perfectionist. Now, I say recovering. My daughter wouldn't agree with the recovering part. But um, I say recovering because God has brought me a long way um, in this. When I was much younger, you know, even school age and through college, I truly believed that if I just tried hard enough, I could do it right. Whatever it was, I could do it. I'd just work harder. And I think on some level, my goal was to avoid criticism. If you do it right, nobody can say you're wrong, right? So, yeah. So, you know, for example, if I wrote a paper for school, I mean, I would just, you know, writing is kind of my thing anyway, but, but I mean, I would work really hard at it to make sure every I was dotted and T crossed and the punctuation was all in the right places. I was an English major, so that was important. So I would make sure everything was right where it was supposed to be. And when I got that paper back, there would be no red marks on it, and I would just get nothing but approval 
And so I just would work that hard at it. You know, but being what my kids would call a try-hard um, worked for me for a while, you know, in school and stuff, you know. But it doesn't work so well in real life, does it? And I got to tell you, God loved me too much to leave me in that state um, where I thought I could be perfect if I tried hard enough. Because trying to be perfect in any way or believing you can be is pride. And that's sin. And God began to... Um, allow circumstances and situations in my life that were far from perfect and there was nothing that I could do to make them perfect or fix the mistakes. I just needed his grace. Humbling circumstances teach me not to be afraid of failure, to learn from my mistakes and to, to depend on God in everything. But it can still be very easy for me to discount friends like Jeffro who give an honest perspective on my situation. <clears throat> but I know that God wants us to be humble and listen to wise people he has placed in our path. And one thing we need to notice about Jethro is he was qualified to give Moses advice. He was functioning as a mentor to Moses. He was older and he was wiser and he was a priest, a leader among his people. And also very important here, Jethro was coming from a very good, caring, loving place when he offered his constructive criticism. Just before Jethro gives, gave Moses advice, Moses had been telling his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians and about all the hardships they'd met, met along the way and how the Lord had saved him. So all the miracles that the Lord had performed in the Israelites' journey out of Egypt, he, you know, Moses was telling them all about this great stuff and and, and um, Jethro was rejoicing with Moses over the news. The Bible says Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done. In fact, he offered a, a sacrifice to God and invited Moses and all his friends over for a big meal. He was just like, wow, this is great. Everybody come over to my house and we'll just celebrate together. So all the elders and Moses, they all came to his house. So this was, it was a very positive kind of relationship. And so Jethro really supported Moses. He cared about what God was doing with the Israelite people. You know, if a friend is offering you advice and you know she walks with God and her heart is in the right place, don't be afraid to open yourself up and listen to what she has to say. What was Jethro's advice? Well, Jethro had advised Moses to split up his job and let other people help him in his work as judge over the people. And the Bible says Moses listened to his father and did everything he said, his father-in-law, and did everything he said. And then it loved this part. Then it says Moses sent his father-in-law on his way. <laughs> now, make of that what you will. But I really think that most, I'm sorry, Jethro was a great father-in-law. He knew when and how to give advice, and he knew when to leave and that's, you know, I'm going to take that one with me when I'm a mother-in-law someday. I have to remember that. When and how to give advice and when to leave. <laughs> but um, God dropped Jethro into Moses' life for a time to give him wisdom, and then he was on his way. And God often sends friends and helpers into our lives for just a season. Be open to it. Don't miss the point of their presence. And finally, um, I want to talk about the friends who pray with us. 
we're going to refer to Joshua now. Joshua was a loyal friend to Moses. You might say that Moses was Joshua's mentor because Joshua was being prepared to take over when Moses died. Joshua was also a courageous warrior, probably what he's known best for in the Bible. He led the Israelites in battle. We saw that when we read earlier this morning, this morning um, when the Israelites attack the Amalekites and Joshua is leading the army. <clears throat> and then Joshua would lead the battles when the Israelites fought to conquer the promised land. Now the Israelites had to fight physical enemy enemies on the battlefield to gain the life that God had provided for them in the promised land. Now I hope it's true that most of us don't need a bodyguard or a warrior friend to physically fight our battles. <laughs> but <clears throat> as New Testament Christians, we are involved in battle, aren't we? Ours is a spiritual battle, and it's fought on our knees in prayer. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So it's really cool to me that Joshua, the courageous warrior, is the same guy that goes with Moses as his aide when Moses enters the presence of God. On Mount Sinai, Joshua goes with Moses, even when the elders and Aaron and Hur are left behind and they can go no further up the mountain. Joshua goes the farthest with Moses. And later when Moses meets with God in the tent of meeting, it is Joshua who goes with him and stands guard at the tent while Moses is speaking face to face with God. Josh, Joshua approached the throne of God with Moses. Do you have friends who will enter the presence of God with you, who will fight the battle with you in prayer? <clears throat> you know, I've been through a few lonely periods in my life, but years ago, I remember one time in particular that was very difficult. It was after my children were born, and I had left my job to stay home with them, um, and then in we moved to my husband's hometown of Garland, where we still live. And during that period when my children were very young and not in school yet, I found myself suddenly without many close friendships. Um, my hearing had gotten quite a bit worse during that period of time as well, and because of that I felt very insecure socially, so it was very hard for me to make new friends. And, you know, I didn't, like, my sister-in-law would have parties and stuff. I just felt very uncomfortable going because I couldn't hear. And... Um, so I cried out to God. I knew my, my friends would have to come from him. <laughs> he, he would just have to be that gracious for me. And um, so I cried out to God, and I prayed for friends. I asked for Christian friends in my town. I felt so alone sometimes in my neighborhood, too, as, as a Christian. So I said, Lord, I just, can there be some local girls who would just be my friend, be my Christian friends here? And um, wow, did God provide. Um, in fact, he not only sent me Christian friends, but one of them knew sign language. And a few of us began meeting together each week to learn together. And then four of us began to meet together to pray for our children on a regular basis. One of those women moved away. That was Kathy. But um, three of us still pray together regularly. My children were in first and second grade when we began, and now they're in eighth and ninth grade. And we're not stopping. We pray for the schools, and we pray for our kids. And these women, I'm sorry, because I just love them. These women have become the kind of friends 
who I can call on for help in a moment, moment's notice, you know? And um, they're just there, and um, I just hope I'm as good a friend to them as they are to me. <clears throat> you know, a special, a special bond forms with women who pray together. And I think sometimes when we're with other women, we need to do less talking and more praying. If somebody's struggling, let's stop talking about it and start praying to God. I know I need to be more willing to respond that way. I'm, I, you know, I haven't perfected this by any means. You know, these are just things God's teaching me, and I'm sharing it with you. Maybe together we can get better at this. Um, we need friends who will approach the throne of God with us, who will fight the battles with us on our knees. <clears throat> you know, maybe some of you are going through one of those lonely seasons today. Maybe you've recently moved to a new town or you've begun going to a new church. Maybe it's Hope Chapel. Um, maybe you're in a new season of life. You've just started a family or maybe your kids are all grown and you find yourself in an empty nest. Or maybe a dear friend or part of your family has moved or passed away. Feeling lonely is hard. Be reminded today that you are never truly alone. You know, I told you that I prayed for close friends and God answered, but what I didn't tell you is that he did not answer in my timing. I wanted friends now. I wanted them yesterday. <laughs> but it was a few years of being lonely before God sent these beautiful people into my life. God had something to teach me during that time. You see, first and foremost, Jesus is my BFF. He's my best friend forever. And if you put your faith in him, he's yours too. And he wants you to get in the habit of turning to him first. When you have a bad day, take it to Jesus. When you're not sure what to do, ask him. When you're happy, sing praises to him. When you're sad, sing praises to him. You know, our earthly friends, no matter how wonderful they are, will let us down from time to time. They are human. And at some point, you will be betrayed or left behind. Some friends will move away. Some will grow distant. Some God will take home too soon, at least to you. But Jesus promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. No other friend can promise you that. But in spite of all the potential hurt, I am convinced that God created friendship for our good. So if you're lonely or if you have a need for someone to come alongside you to help you in some area of your life, pray for the kinds of friends that God can provide. I know he'll answer in his time. But as far as the friendships that you have, celebrate them and the way God has provided for you. Some may be here for just a season, but they are in your life for a reason. And ladies, be a friend to others. Help people in their weaknesses. Put them at ease with your kindness. Advise them with wisdom from God's word and fight battles on their behalf in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the gift of friendship. I thank you that Jesus is my best friend forever and all I really need. But because you love us 
you give us each other, friends who can hug us and encourage us and support us, and I thank you for that, Father. Help us to be better friends. Help us to be the kind of friends you provide to others. Help us to, be, to see where our friends need your support and encouragement and prayer. And give us the grace, Lord, to love them as you have loved us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now we have some, some examples of great friendship to share with you this morning. Um, Pat and Tracy and Gina are going to come and share with you some of their experiences um, with uh, close Christian friends and what that has brought into their lives. So Pat, why don't you come?